This week on the mic drop, if you want to work in sports or you know someone who wants to work in sports, our conversation with Breon Dennis Jr. of the Frisco Rough Riders is a must listen. From working the Hertz counter at the Shreveport Airport to his persistence with the Texas Rangers, his advice on the best way to build relationships, and the importance of keeping mama close, his personal journey will inspire you. Then, Jeff Kolb of Fox 4 Dallas joins us to talk Rangers, stars, covering something called Buck Poles in Alpena, Michigan. And he also drops a great streaming recommendation on us. So let's drop the mic and let's go. Welcome to the Mic Drop, everybody, the official podcast of the Dallas Sports Commission. Kevin Sullivan here, joined by Dallas Sports Commission Executive Director Monica Paul. And also with us, of course, is Next Level Marcus Karth. Thanks for listening. Thanks for following the Mic Drop. It's episode 69. No Maverick, Star, or Ranger has ever worn number 69. And only seven Cowboys ever have worn it, and none for very long. So we're going to go with George Hegeman. He wore number 69. He was a third-round pick of the Cowboys out of North Carolina State in 1995. At six foot seven, 331 pounds, he was the largest player drafted that year. He played for the, for, uh, the Cowboys for four years. Some of that time, he was allocated to the Frankfurt Galaxy of the World League of American Football. Remember that? He was mostly a backup, but he did get some starts. He played on the Cowboys Super Bowl 30 championship team. After his playing days, went to work for the NFL Players Association. So for episode 69, it's Cowboys former 69 big George Hageman. Monica, I know hopefully things have settled down a little bit in the post-World Cup announcement uh, uh, period here. What's going on at the Sports Commission? What are you working on now? Well, you know, uh, obviously uh, we celebrated for a little bit, but it's really back to business for us, Sully. Uh, uh, immediately following... Uh, that announcement, we went into NCA Women's Final Four local organizing committee meeting. So we meet on a on a, a monthly basis. So we're getting prepped for another one here uh, coming up uh, next week. Uh, we're really we we start talking about Title IX celebration, uh, student athlete experience, all the great things that we want to be able to provide in March, April, 2023 for this. Uh, women's final four of division one two and three uh we've got mls next uh, so a lot of youth soccer going on uh, it seems like we've had back-to-back weeks here so uh, uh a lot of participation out in all of our complexes throughout the metroplex uh we've got a women's final four bid that is uh due this week so getting that information in and then following up on our men's final four bid for 2028 to 2031 and uh, also having some staff take some time off we uh, just participated in a two-day staff retreat which was good to kind of just level set and uh, um, you know kind of get an idea of where we need to go knowing that yes we have world cup on the horizon but uh, we typically have well this year about 85 events uh, a year and um, about 70 percent 75 percent of those take place in the spring so we've had a very heavy um, spring load so getting a little bit time to take a step back and refresh and recharge those batteries. Well, you, you certainly deserve that. The, uh, 
you know, as the father of three daughters who were all athletes in high school and two of them in college, Title IX, obviously, uh, I'm, all, I'm a big fan for what it helped, uh, you know, my kids achieve. Talk a little bit about your own experience. We're cel- a lot of celebrations for the 50th anniversary. There's a, there's a documentary I'm looking forward to watching called Dream On about the 1996 U.S. Olympic uh, women's basketball team. Uh, what, what was your experience, Monica, uh, personally, in, in terms of the impact of Title IX? And then what sort of celebrations and observances? You mentioned uh, some things the Sports Commission is involved with. What's happening there? Sure. So, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I had a chance to play uh, college volleyball um, uh, when I was in college. Uh, not very long, but uh, I tore ACL and decided to really more so per- pursue a career in, in sports. But I think those opportunities, even on, on the career side and uh, um, the opportunities that weren't there beforehand, um, and even I think I see Title IX being impacted in the classroom now as a, as a professor at SMU, the number of uh, athletes that or students and not just athletes um, that are interested in sports and now have those opportunities they actually realize that or believe you know that you know I do there are opportunities there for me um, to be on the business side of sports and in the boardroom and, and continue to grow my career or their careers in, in that way so uh, I was very blessed I think growing up I had a lot of uh, mentors who actually were men, but uh, gave me the opportunity and um, to you know further my career and take my next steps uh, along the way and really pushed me uh, in, cer- in certain aspects to you know go get this experience or improve uh, from this professional lens. So that was very impactful for me uh, uh, growing up. Uh, and then in terms of women's final four, I mean there are so many uh, women here within our, our metroplex, both. Uh, um, former athletes, current athletes, uh, uh, female executives on the sports side or on the corporate side, um, those who work in nonprofits that I think we, we all want to um, help the next generation and see you know additional uh, benefits and opportunities for, for women um, you know to continue to grow their, their career and have additional access. Uh, or, or the equity uh, that is uh, needed along the way. So uh, we're going to have a big committee uh, and looking forward to really designing out different programming, whether, whether it's networking or speaker series or educational opportunities or, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes access, uh, mentoring, those types of things, uh, all leading up to, to that Women's Final Four. And hopefully uh, we'll, we'll send it out with a bang uh, in March and, and April. And you know, then uh, looked forward to the next 50 years of uh, what Title IX and just overall growth and development brings. This is our last show for a couple of weeks. We're going to take a little bit of a mic drop summer break, a little hiatus, uh, which is, of course, well-deserved for you and your team at the Dallas Sports Commission following World Cup and all the other events that you're pursuing. Uh, we're also going to go into the laboratory and 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 see how we can continue to make the mic drop uh, even more interesting. So hit us on, on uh, uh, at Mic Drop Dallas on social media if you have ideas, uh, you listeners out there. And Monica, what are you going to do with our little little mic drop break the next couple of weeks? Huh. Well, um, you know, just kind of take some time and really get caught up on um, <clears throat> some of the things that I, I'm behind on, uh, quite honestly. 
uh, with, with some of this World Cup stuff. I, things have been kind of put on a shelf, and I need to dust off uh, some folders and get that shelf clean as well because they're equally important from whether it be a foundation uh, aspect of things to uh, organize, local organizing committee and, and, and just getting some planning processes done. I, I do hope to kind of get away to my lake house a little bit. I hope people know that uh, um, my free weekends, that's usually where I spend time just to kind of refresh and recharge. And uh, they're like, so you've been spending time at the lake house? And I'm like, no. I've only been to the lake house twice this year. And uh, so I'm hoping that even though we have some raging temperatures here uh, going on this summer uh, right now, I, I do want, need to get out there and uh, just kind of refresh. I've got a USA volleyball or Norseca event in, in Oklahoma that I'm assigned to. So I'll be out there uh, doing what I hope is going to want to be my one of my last assignments on the international volleyball stage. <coughs> trying to turn over that and, and give those reins to someone else or someone uh, a little bit younger who can continue the charge into, into the 2028 Olympics and handle that uh, side of things. But uh, just trying to get some time away. Well, and I know even when your time is away, the 2026 World Cup will never be too far from your thoughts. So way to go. Back in a moment with Breon Dennis of the Frisco Rough Riders. But first, over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. PowerHands is a global athletic training and rehabilitation product tech company that enhances human performance through the designs, innovative technology. If you are a coach, athlete, fitness enthusiast, PowerHands is for you. Who doesn't want to improve their overall performance and recovery? Even better, PowerHands is Dallas-based and a portion of every product purchased. Helps provide athletic and academic programs to youth in underserved communities. Go to PowerHands.com and improve your athletic performance today. Thanks, Rachel. And now we are so pleased to welcome to the mic drop Breon Dennis Jr. He's the Vice President of Community Development and the Executive Director of the, Rec of the Rough Riders Foundation. He spells community with the unity all capitalized. I love that. He's been with the Rough Riders since 2015 after a 10-year run in community outreach and more with the Texas Rangers. He's a Shreveport native, a graduate of Dallas Baptist University. Breon, welcome to the mic drop. Thanks for making some time for us today. Well, good morning. I appreciate it. Good to see you. So, Breon, you say you're in the people business. Uh, that just so happens to be in baseball. What do you mean about being in the people business? Give our listeners some insight there. Well, first of all, good morning to you, Monica. I cannot take credit for uh, that quote. It actually came from Howard Schultz with Starbucks. I was listening to one of my favorite uh, celebrities of all time, the big fella, Big Shaq, was talking about it. And uh, Howard Schultz kind of talked about you know, he's in the people business. It's just starting to be coffee. So I kind of took that mantra for myself. Well, a lot of times when you work in this industry in sports, they look at you just as a sports figure. I said, at the end of the day, I'm all about people. I'm in the people business. It's just starting to be baseball. I still with that quote, put it on my door and uh, kind of took it as my own. So I'm glad it's not copyrighted by uh, Howard Schultz. So it's all good. <laughs> Well, I can definitely attest to Breon is a, is is in the people business. Uh, he 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 stays on top of things for sure and uh, um, great with his outreach. So uh, before but before we get to your outreach efforts, tell us about the rough rider rough rider season so far. What's been the highlights on the field? How how's the team doing? Well, you know, crazy part about minor league baseball, you don't generally get caught up with uh, how the team's doing on the field because it's a development ground. You have a lot of players come in. Uh, the Rangers organization oversees the players, so we don't have any control of the roster. 
who were received. We do have some top prospects that are on the club right now that you can take a look at, and uh, you'll see them in Arlington in a few years, if not this year. But far as our leadership, Victor Rojas has been the team president about two seasons now. Has done a great job with the culture within the organization to look at us to uh, rebrand ourselves. Obviously, going through COVID and the pandemic definitely had had us look at our community efforts as well as our interaction with our fans in a different way. But this year has been great. Looking forward to a great weekend, 4th of July, and a lot of the community activities that we're doing this week as well. So uh, your mission is really in the community, Breon, and uh, I know that you and the Rough Riders have an, a, a lot of initiatives and, and really connect with the community. Uh, you know, a lot of families come out to your games, but, you know, very intentional, I think, in terms of uh, your strategy within the community. What types of initiatives are currently uh, underway or that, that you're working on? Well, the big thing for us is actually uh, youth. Uh, we actually have our baseball camps going on this week. Uh, throughout the summer, that's actually going to be raising some funds for the North Texas Food Bank and also working with them with the peanut butter drive. We also have a great partners with CoServe doing our high school scholarships. So we're constantly raising funds to be able to give back to the education as well as to you. A lot of times what I normally tell people, we take care of you from the cradle to the grave. So a lot of our initiatives just has to just do with families. So a lot of things we do, whether it's a clothing drive or whether it's a toy drive with the toys for tots coming up in the fall, or whether it's just opening up our ballpark for other nonprofits to utilize it for a fundraising opportunity. That's kind of what we do. So our initiative at the end of the day is just being creative and think outside the box on how we can get people um, to you know, have a different platform to, to share their mission. This season, Brian, the Rough Riders are playing some games as the Dallas Black Giants. This is a tribute to the Negro Leagues team that played in Dallas in various forms from 1908 to 1949. I, I am embarrassed uh, to say I've lived in Dallas in two different stints for 25 years. I knew nothing about the Dallas Black Giants. I don't even think I knew that we had a Negro Leagues team here in our history, much less that Ernie Banks uh, played on that 1949 team. Uh, tell us you know, how that came about. You, ha you had a big uh, celebration around the Juneteenth weekend with the Dallas Black Giants. You've got more games coming up where the team will wear th uh, those uniforms. Bring us inside on how that happened and what kind of response you received for the first one uh, uh, or a couple of weeks ago? Well, well, I usually tell people I've been black for 44 years and they start laughing because that's my age. Uh, there's so much rich history within our culture that I think it's very difficult for everybody to know exactly what went on. Uh, me being a kid from Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, be truthful with you, I didn't know anything about Juneteenth until I moved to Texas. And I moved to Texas back in December 99. So it goes to show you just how young our country is. So a lot of history that we may have thought that we knew as a child or in the history books, you have to kind of do your own research. But I think as a club, the Negro League is very important to our club. Once again, as I mentioned, our team president, uh, Victor Rojas, has spent time in Kansas City, has a great relationship with Bob Kendrick, who is a Negro League president uh, of their museum. So it was kind of a natural uh, fit for us. And also, too, with Chuck Greenberg, with leadership, wanted to just make sure that we do some things related to that. And, you know, the Dallas Black Giants was actually a um, traveling uh, Negro League. So you're not really a part of the, the Negro League as we know it. But uh, that's kind of how it came about. And with our marketing department, uh, Kristen Keene did a phenomenal job of designing the jerseys, the hats, and kind of the feel. And you kind of want to have that pinstripe feel to it as well. So with that being said, three days this year, we'll be using those jerseys as well as those hats uh, throughout, the, throughout the season. And June 19th, June 19th was the first time we used it. And the fans loved it. 
so the players got a chance to meet Bob Kendrick as well as in person. And Bob got a chance to uh, kind of do a, a fireside chat with some of our fans as well. So look forward to seeing what the next two Dallas Black Giants events uh, entail. But I tell people all the time, we're Black 365. So we're not just doing it just for the Dallas Black Giants games, but we just want to make sure we spotlight it for those three dates. And when when is the next, uh, is it uh, uh, September? When is the next one? Next Dallas next Black week. Giants? Next is going to be the first weekend of August. And then the, okay. uh, the last one will be uh, the first week of, I think, uh, September around Wednesday. Okay, so well, four questions, I always say go to RidersBaseball.com. So you can go to RidersBaseball.com to see the latest updates. Will do. Now, you've also got another creative approach, which is Los Quesos Frisco. So tell us about, about that. Well, it's interesting. Minor League Baseball, what's so beautiful about Minor League Baseball, Major League Baseball now governs Minor League Baseball operations, but for a long time, a lot of major league clubs get their ideas from minor league baseball. So this has kind of been in the cocoon for probably about three to four years now. And what was so cool about it is uh, you had a lot of uh, feedback from fans on what they wanted the name to be. So obviously when you look at our, our logo for it, it's basically Teddy Roosevelt, which is our team mascot turned into a uh, cheese head. No, no shout out to the green Bay Packers, but turned into a cheese head and that's what they wound up using. So it's been very cool to see that uh, logo as well. And what I normally tell fans is, is not uh, necessarily Mexico. I think a lot of times when you live in Texas and you start saying Hispanic heritage, people go straight to Mexico, but basically it's to the Latin culture as a whole. So one of the neat things that we've done is actually put the uh, flags of the players on our team and the countries that they represent. So on those days, you get a chance to see those flags in the outfield, which is a cool, uh, cool feature because so many of our fans, especially in the melting pot of DFW, get a chance to see that. So the merchandise sales have been going through the roof for that as well as the Dallas Black Giants. And our fans seem to like it. Yeah, and I guess the translation is something along the lines of fresh cheese, which is also kind of kind of cool. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, Monica, you, and you talked a little bit about being a relationship person. Uh, we have, you know, a lot of students listen to the mic drop and young people starting out their sports careers. What advice do you, do you give to young people about how to effectively build relationships in an authentic way, build that network that we all need? Uh, to get our careers going? Man, I don't want to sound like a tagline here, but I used to tell people I don't give advice, I only give insight. Because one of the things is when you look at relationships and networking, it's basically believing in yourself. Uh, one of the things that I found the hard way in this business is a lot of people that you believe in because of their title, uh, that's not a great idea. What you want to do is have those authentic relationships because some of the relationships that you actually develop may not come to pass for another 10 to 15 years. And I'm living proof of that that uh, 23 years in this business, a lot of relationships that I've had, it's amazing to see how some of those still come to pass. But I would normally say, just get a chance to know somebody. Don't just go to LinkedIn, try to tag somebody and say, now we're connected, but actually get a chance to know them. Find out what they like. Uh, at the same time, value their time. When you want to say you want to meet with somebody, my trick is to say, hey, can I meet with you for 15 to 10 minutes? You'll be surprised you can get a lot accomplished in 10 to 15 minutes, as opposed to trying to tackle an hour because when you say an hour, we're like, hey, time is money, money is time. And sometimes we don't want to give you that much time. So I would say keep that in mind. So, Breon, you mentioned kind of your, I guess, your, your journey uh, and the advice or insight that you'd give uh, to young people. Shreveport to DFW. How do we how do we make that tradition or transition? How do how'd you get here? What does your career journey look like? Monica, I can tell you right now, if you actually uh, broke down how many people from Louisiana live in Texas, it will actually be Frisco, Louisiana. It'll actually be <laughs> Dallas, Louisiana. 
Uh, Louisiana is all up and down this place. I mean, including the food. I rest assured you, Texas food did not taste as good until Hurricane Katrina, when a lot of uh, people from Louisiana moved to this side of the <laughs> the side of the uh, 20. But uh, I'll kind of give you a hybrid view of what what took place. Uh, very blessed to uh, come from Breon Dennis Sr. That's why I put my name uh, Junior at the end, and Beverly and Dennis is my mom. But I uh, wound up going to uh, move here December '99. I was working in the rental car industry, perched in Shreveport. Uh, worked there. Tim Brando, who is a uh, world class broadcaster, some folks remember him. He's actually from Shreveport. He was with ESPN before we knew ESPN today as the mothership of sports. But I used to talk to him a lot and ask him, man, how would you get in sports? He would say to me, if you want to get in sports, you'll sell peanuts. And I was like, man, forget this guy. This guy don't know what he's talking about. I ain't selling no peanuts. And lo and behold, I said I wanted to move to a bigger city. Uh, I was uh, I was newly married at the time, had a young daughter, and I wanted to move to a bigger city. Seattle, Nashville, and Dallas were my three options because I love the water that gets me in Seattle. Nashville was uh, you know, new at the time. The Tennessee Titans had just moved there. And Dallas, at the end of the day, was still close to my mama. So that's kind of how I said I'm going to end up in uh, Texas. So I'm transferred from Hertz Rental Car in Shreveport, got the job at DFW Airport, go from regional airport to international airport, and it was a cultural shock for me. Uh, that was basically like the first time I was around real Africans. So I know real quick the culture was different. So three months into that job, uh, there was a thing called the newspaper. They used to actually put jobs in the newspaper. <laughs> and the job in the newspaper says Southwest Sports Group. Southwest Sports Group. And at the time, all I knew was 401k, paid vacation, and benefits. That's what my parents told me. But I had no clue that Tom Hicks owned the Texas Rangers, the Dallas Stars, the Mesquite Championship Rodeo, and lo and behold, Crunchy Munch. We'll go to that in a second. So all of a sudden, I interviewed, and what happened was I'm old school. My mom and dad teach me about yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. So I was calling like every day, no exaggeration, trying to uh, contact Trish Nunn, who was the executive assistant for the person who oversaw security at the time. And I just kept calling and said, hey, is there any openings, any openings? And she said, we have your application. If anything changes, we'll let you know. Boom, they interviewed me. I had to take a shrink test. At the time, I thought everybody in the organization took a shrink test. Come to find out they don't. <laughs> so I said, hey, okay, I'm gonna get this job over here with the Rangers. I'm gonna be security. So I'm gonna be security for Pudge Rodriguez, Rafael Palmero, Nolan Ryan. I'm like, I got this. Our first day on the job. Never forget, it was March 20th, 2000. They handed me a bike helmet and a bike. So I went from being uh, Tour of the France to Tour of the Arlington. So I actually uh, rode a bike for two and a half years. I tell people, I uh, used to look like Steph Curry, but because of the tan, now I look uh, like LeBron James. So in the color-wise, but I uh, got the job with those guys and did that for two and a half years, riding a bike. And I met a lot of phenomenal folks. And the deal was they were shocked because they were not used to a, quote, security guard knowing their name. So I knew your name, I knew what car you drove, and just struck a relationships. And one of the key individuals who basically, um, I don't even want to give him a shout out, but I will, is uh, currently the president for the Dallas Stars, uh, Brad Alberts. And uh, my relationship with Brad Alberts sprung back in 2000. And there was a lot of things I was exposed to uh, from him that I had never been exposed to before. And it wasn't like he took me on his wing, I was just a sponge. And from there, I got turned down for probably about eight or 10 jobs within the organization. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, Mr. Rick McLaughlin took a chance on me. And I went from riding a bike in 2000 to 2002 to being promoted to director of baseball programs in 2003. And I say all of that because at the time, all I had was an associate. So kind of fast forward to where we're at now in that time from 2000. Uh, I have an undergrad in 2012, got my master's in 2018. 
So, you know, I'm the kind of person when you think about it, uh, <laughs> I'm what the American dream is all about in a lot of ways. So that's kind of my hybrid uh, way to go to, uh, to sports. So there you go. Wow. I, you know what? I hope, uh, I hope some of my students are listening to this because that's one of the best stories that, uh, uh, that I've heard in terms of someone's journey and, you know, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of kids coming out of school now expect the, you know, to get that director level job. And it's, uh, it's not like that. It's, uh, riding that bike and, uh, doing things that, you know, uh, you, you know, you're overqualified for, or, you know, you, you, you know, you have, uh, much more value to lend to an organization. So, uh, uh, and I love it. Mama always wins out there, Brian. I see uh, DFW over that Nashville and in, in, in Seattle, staying close to mom. But we're very, very glad that you uh, chose uh, DFW uh, for sure. So, but hold on, you got to what, What's this crunchy munch? Uh, you, you said you were going to talk about uh, talk about that. What's that story? So what was so crazy is we used to do uh, take me out to the ball game. You know, it was like buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. Well, we didn't sell cracker jacks in our stadium, so. Crunchy Munch was uh, who we used. <laughs> so I learned a lot about sponsorship uh, and partnerships through the years. So even to this day, I look at myself as a uh, sponsorship guy in training because I was like, oh, my gosh, we don't even sell Crunchy Munch. And obviously that was years ago. And uh, Mr. Hicks is going to some different ventures. But I learned real quick about branding. And uh, it was very interesting to go through that process. I love some Crunchy Munch, but I also love Cracker Jacks. And I had no clue that uh, you would not have a certain name or a song based off of uh, – <laughs> based off a dollar. So it all makes sense now. <laughs> well, Breon, thank you for joining us. Everyone get out to support our Rough Riders up in Frisco. Uh, great atmosphere there, great facility, um, and a lot of positive that uh, they do for, for our community. So, Breon, hopefully you have a great holiday, or uh, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate it so much. And uh, before I leave here, I will say congratulations to uh, – Monica Paul, your leadership and uh, what's taking place in North Texans in the region. Because when I first got here, we did not have a sports commission. So to be paired with you and what you're doing, I will say bravo to you. And uh, Kevin Sullivan, look forward to seeing you more. You have a very famous name because that's a famous wrestler by the name of Kevin Sullivan. So I will never forget your name. So <laughs> I appreciate thank you that. For having and, me on the uh, mic. And, and we, uh, the wrestler Kevin Sullivan, and I, I even have the same middle name, which makes it worse because it's Francis. And uh, I have long wondered as a wrestling fan myself, how did this guy not get a ring name? Uh, yes. he was, at one point, he was the Boston Brawler and he was the Taskmaster yes. at one point. But for most of his career, I think he was Kevin Sullivan. And and uh, I remember asking my dad when I saw an ad in the paper in Florida on a vacation, how can there be a wrestler named Kevin Sullivan? I was used to Bruiser and Crusher, uh, you know, and uh, Baron Von Raschke and all these guys growing up in Chicago. And so it cracks me up that you mentioned that. And uh uh, I love it. Same name, but not related. See, Monica, I told you I love my wrestling. I see. <laughs> well, we're going well, to, we'll talk about that another, another Sports time, entertainment, so. guys. That's sports entertainment. That's right. WWE doesn't <laughs> like to use that word too much. So I, well, I appreciate it. Well, Breon Dennis Jr., thanks for joining us here on the mic drop. And now over to Rachel with a word from one of our sponsors. Did you know the Dallas Zoo provides guests with real-life opportunities to make memorable connections with more than 2,000 animals? Please support the zoo's mission to inspire and empower action on behalf of the wildlife in Texas and around the world. Visit DallasZoo.com to purchase your tickets today.
Thanks, Rachel. And now we are happy to be joined by award-winning sports anchor and reporter, Jeff Kolb. He's been at Fox 4 Dallas since May of 2019. He's part of the very cool Fox free-for-all show that we all love. Came here from Tulsa, also worked in Providence, Rhode Island, his home state. But Jeff started in Alpena, Michigan. And I, part of my exhaustive research for this show, uh, Jeff, I discovered that when you were there, Alpena was the third smallest TV market in the nation. Uh, this was, it's Northern Michigan, uh, uh, Lake Huron, Thunder Bay kind of, kind of vibe. What, uh, there had to be some funny stories or some adventures uh, from your time in Alpena, but also you must have done a good job because it eventually got you to Dallas. So tell us about that experience. Yes, yeah, Sully, I mean, as you're mentioning, um, Michigan small town and we're way up on the mitten so Detroit's down here and I'll never forget that uh, Christmas time it was negative 35 there with the wind chill so uh, even being a New Englander as I was growing up uh, you can never get used to negative 35. Uh, I, I covered some crazy crazy things I don't, I don't even know if they should be called sports while I was there. Um, deer hunting was a huge thing I'll never forget. They told me, you know, on the first night of deer hunting season, go to the buck pole. And I, I said, what's a buck pole? And uh, they gave me an intersection and this might be a little gross to talk about, but yeah, you show up and they've got the five biggest deer bucks that people had, had reeled in that night. And, you know, if someone brings in a bigger one, they hang that one and throw the smaller one off. And um, so, yeah, we had to cover things like that. I remember, the, that was a Friday night, and the following morning, I had to cover a, a buck pole event right in the heart of town on Main Street, and uh, this little kid who was like six years old had uh, killed his first buck, had harvested, like they say, and um, so I interviewed the kid, and, and he, he said, yeah, I can't wait to get to school on Monday and show off you know, to my friends and tell them I got my first buck. And then I interviewed the dad, and that's the part I'll never forget. And I said, you know, how does it feel? You know, your son got his first buck. I'm so proud. He started breaking down. He's like, I've never been so proud of my son. And um, so anyways, but it, it was an experience I never could have foreseen. Uh, market 208, as you mentioned, the third smallest at the time. And I bounced around. I always tell people it's, it's been like minor league baseball without the baseball. And so I actually started a, a newspaper, a small town newspaper in Pennsylvania before that, because when I came out of broadcast school, my reel, if I'm being honest, uh, your highlight reel that you need to get these jobs wasn't even good enough to get a job like Alpena. But I was able to work that into Alpena and then Providence, Tulsa, and now Dallas for uh, this is year four now. So Jeff, obviously with, with your career, you've been able to, you know, meet a lot of people had some probably very impactful stories impactful interviews what are the top ones that uh, stick out for you oh man that's a tough question monica there's been some great ones here um if i start with those uh, last year there was a couple of stories one about um, a football player from fort worth leslie adindu uh, he uh, moved to this country just before the pandemic um, and wound up homeless and being abandoned by his dad and trying to um, figure out life here. And, and he'd been recognized as, as a kid with a lot of potential on the football field. 
And um, so he was just alone in this foreign country uh, here in the DFW. And uh, he uh, got uh, noted, he had kind of fallen away from the football team and uh, the, the coaches uh, realized where he was at. He was in a homeless shelter. They got him back involved with the football team. And uh, then they found out that he was two weeks too old to play for his senior season. So it was just like one thing after another. And this kid stuck with it. And they were able to make a recruiting tape for him, even though he didn't play. And he wound up getting a full ride, even though he really never played varsity football. Uh, so that was a really cool story last year. Um, you know, there's just different people you come along that you do these feature stories on and, and the type of job that I have. There was a coach in Tulsa, a high school football coach who really was the most legendary coach uh, in the state's history at Jenks, which is up in the Tulsa area. And um, he sadly uh, got uh, diagnosed with ALS uh, and continued to coach through that for, for an, like another couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, it's, there's even stories from back, you know, in the Providence days and, and before that, that. You know, uh, you come across these people that, oops, sorry, um, the phone is going off, um, that, that just, you know, stay in your path. And um, so it's, I think it's been, that's what I love the most is building those relationships. And it's not even just for that one story. It's, um, those are things that last and, and it's beautiful to tell those stories. Yeah. I mean, that, that one that you told gave me goosebumps. So that was, uh, that was pretty special. So, Jeff, we all love Mike Ducey. Um, what's something that you've learned from Mike or a favorite story that, you know, you'd like to tell about him? This is your chance here. Oh, man. Favorite story. <laughs> That's, I don't know if I could narrow it down to a favorite story, um, but um, I just, you know, I've just learned so much from watching, you know, how Mike has kind of built his career here over all these years and, um, you know, he's a legend. I think when you when you go out uh, to some of these bigger events, because the, the thing about TV that I don't know that people on the outside always necessarily think about is, you know, ninety five percent of the time, you know, when you're an anchor, you're you're in a room without an audience. You know, at the local level, at least, uh, this isn't a talk show. So uh, even though we do a lot of talking on our show, uh, so when you go out in public. Uh, to Cowboys events, Cowboys games, other things around town, uh, and just see the way that people love Mike Ducey and uh, revere him and uh, make fun of his hair and things like that. It's, um, it's, it's just really cool for someone that's early on in his career still, I, I want to believe, uh, to a degree to see, you know, what someone who does it right can, can make it into Jeff, you played Division Three baseball at Emerson College. So, what, tell us about what was your what position did you play? What was your game like? You know what? Because I want to ask you about the Rangers here in a minute. But what, what was your game like? My, uh, I had an interesting story with my college career too. Uh, I went in as a shortstop. Uh, I wanted to be the shortstop and the leadoff hitter, and um, I forgot how to hit, as I like to say, when I got to college. <laughs> So that didn't work out so well, but I had an arm. I had a, I had an arm. I could throw pretty hard. Um, wasn't always accurate in the field, but uh, my freshman year, we had a rough start to the season. We were, so we we're Emerson college up in Boston. We would start our season down in Florida and um, we had a tough 
first like three games and used a lot of pitching and the coaches came to me and said, Hey, can we put you out there for game four? I said, well, I'm, I've been riding the pine. So yeah, I'd love that. Any, any way to get on the field. And I, I really wasn't a pitcher uh, in high school and uh, I went out there and another quick story I'll tell about that. Uh, like I got the first two guys out in that first start and then the three hitter, he hit this home run right down the left field line, like right inside the pole. But the ump had, could not really see it well. And my catcher, uh, also Jeff, was quick. He got up. He's like, that's foul. That's foul. And the ump went with it. And if that had been a fair ball, I don't know. Things might have been different. But anyways, uh, I tried pitching out. And I went on to be a starting pitcher for four years. Um, was the team's pitcher of the year as a senior. And I still pitch today. I still play men's league hardball. It's like an 18 and over uh, league here in the Dallas area. And everywhere I've moved around the country, I've found, found a league. So we actually have a big playoff game today. I know this will air after today. But um, so, yeah, I'm still in it, still in the game. And, and I love pitching. Love, love to hear that. And good luck, uh, you know, in the, in the playoffs. So what do you think the Rangers youth movement, the team is knocking on the, the door of getting back to 500? Uh, as we record this, uh, who do you like of the young of the young prospects that have that have come up, and how do you think about the you know the way they're building the team? I think it's great, and I understand from a baseball fan perspective that it's tough to hang in there these long 162 game seasons where you know. I mean, I don't want to be a pessimist. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, they're right there under 500. They're like five games back as we're recording this in the wild card. I don't, I still don't think Rangers fans should expect playoffs this year. And that's okay. I think the beauty of this year is there's hope, there's promise. And you're seeing these guys like Ezekiel Duran. And we didn't expect him to stick up here like he has to, to this point. And he was supposed to be a stopgap after Josh Smith came up. Um, so guys like that. I've been excited, exciting to watch. Um, you know, I think uh, the Rangers have done really well considering you know, Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon haven't even hit for such a high average to this point. So that leads me to believe, and it, you know, that maybe they can be an above 500 team uh, this year. But, you know, like I mentioned, Duran Smith, those guys are exciting. But I think there's more guys on the way. Obviously, you know, Jack Leiter, there's so much attention put on him and, Cole Wynn and these other guys, Josh Young, unfortunately, is, you know, hurt. Um, so I think the future is bright. I think what I'm interested to see now is uh, will the Rangers try and sell off a bunch of veterans or some of their top veterans like they did last year with Joey Gallo, or will they try and sign a Martin Perez to, to an extension? I know Perez says he, I think he said Sunday, he 300% wants to stay here. So I, I think it's exciting and you have to just enjoy the process right now if you're a Rangers fan. Yeah, and as those discussions take place around the trade deadline, let's remember that the haul for Joey Gallo was Ezekiel Durant, Glenn Otto, and Josh Smith. So exactly. we're in good we're in good hands with with uh with John Daniels and Chris Young. And let, let's see what happens. Now shifting over to the stars, what did you make of the hiring of veteran uh, NHL head coach Peter DeBoer as the new head head uh, coach of the stars? thought the reaction was fascinating because it seemed very initially negative from a lot of the fan base or certain people that like to talk about the stars on Twitter a lot. But how can you argue with this guy's resume? 
I mean, he's brought two different franchises in the last decade to the Stanley Cup final. Granted, they didn't win either time. Uh, and five conference title appearances uh, in the last decade. So, I mean, if that's what he's going to come in and, and do with Dallas, I don't think that you can be that disappointed about that. With the caveat that, yes, this is a team that you want to win in the, in the very near future. There's not that much more of a window. Uh, for them to win with some of the veteran guys, although there's a lot of promise with the young guys. So I think, I think it's a good hire. That said, you talk to a lot of hockey people and they, they'll say things like, well, the stars didn't have much of a choice. Um, but, uh, you know, the way Jim Nil, the GM talked about it is that, you know, we had this developing list of in candidate pool of, of great young coaches and up and coming prospect type coaches, but, when a Pete DeBoer comes onto the market and is available, you can't pass someone like him up with this team that you have now with the Jamie Benz and Sagans and whatnot um, who'd want to win now. So, uh, you know, there's also been some quality things said about what DeBoer can do with young talent and how he's developed some really good young players too. So I think that's key right now also with the stars, with the young guys they have on the roster and, the Wyatt Johnson type guys that are coming from the, the farm system. Well, Jeff, this is, this is normally the portion of the podcast where we ask our guests for a, a download recommendation or, you know, tell us what you're streaming. It could be book, music, podcast, a TV. It could be anything, but I, I want to give you a minute to think, think about it. So, uh, so Marcus and Monica and I will, will go first while you, while you think about what you're listening to, watching, reading, uh, and and to provide a good recommendation for our mic drop uh, 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 listeners. So I'm going to go with a recommendation uh, from Marcus. You know, Monica's got the hot hand. She always comes up with great recommendations. Marcus recommended a few, a couple, maybe a month or so ago, The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. My wife, Joe, and I finished it last night, really enjoyed it. Uh, terrific, uh, you know, legal thriller based on the, you know, adapted from the John Grisham book so marcus thank you for that recommendation and really appreciate it and what uh, marcus what do you what do you got cooking uh these days in your in your free time well sully i am kind of uh i'm kind of stumped this week i i've been i've started all american uh because there's a lot of people talking about all american with new season coming out so um you know i've started it i'm I'm still trying to gauge if this is going to be something long-term. So this is a soft recommendation to All-American this week. All right, good one. I've watched a little bit of uh, previous seasons. Not not bad. Monica, how about you? Uh, Sully, I, I haven't had a chance to to download much, stream much, but I've got some things on my to-do list. How about that? We, we go with that. Yeah, uh, sure. I, I, I'm... I'm you know, with with the time that I'm hoping to, to take off or at least have a few days away, I'm going to bring a book actually a paper book uh out wow. a michael conley book uh, i i like his book so i'll i'll continue on that uh, lincoln lawyer side which i also thought was a very good uh series there on on netflix and i have to put it on my bucket list because i'm one who hasn't made it to the theater yet uh to watch top gun maverick so here over these next weeks it's on my uh, to-do list of uh, getting out there because i hear it's a uh, phenomenal and i did ask the question yesterday to some of my staff of like okay when when can i stream it they're like no 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 this is one you must go to the theater for monica so 
uh, I've a resounding uh, must go to the theater from a lot of people. So those are on my to-do list, my, my bucket list yeah, items. You know, and I I, uh, I misspoke. It, it was not John Grisham. It was Michael Connolly, which made yep. me think of it when you said that, uh, who also, of course, is responsible, I believe, for the Bosch, Bosch. series, which which mm-hmm. uh, which I loved on Amazon. And Bosch Legacy, the uh, the follow-up, is also really good. Bosch Legacy? Uh, what is this? Talk to me about that. I, I don't know yeah, about so this it's Yeah, it's, so it's, it, it carries on the, uh, the Bosch story. Harry is now a private eye. Maddie is now an L.A. cop boot or rookie and uh and money chandler honey chandler uh <laughs> is uh is also the third star of the series it is excellent i think there's 10 it, episodes it I blew through them. is it uh, well Prime it, it, it is it is technically on freebie which used to be imdb tv but you can access it through amazon prime although a warning there are commercials okay, That's uh, okay. why they put it on freebie i don't know but it is really good, the same vibe. Uh, and apparently in the books, he does become a private eye kind of at the end at some point. So this carries on very much the same vibe and feel uh, and great storytelling as as the original Bosch uh, run. So there's something you can do on vacation, uh, you know, when you're not when you're not uh, being all sophisticated and reading. Uh, all right, Jeff, so you ready? What do you got for us? Yeah, so first of all, I will say Monica, Top Gun is a great movie uh, to go see. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And Marcus, I'm also an all-American guy. I've been watching the, the latest season on that, season four, I think. Um, I've also been watching, streaming The Night Of on HBO. It's this one season only kind of thriller story where, not to spoil it, but this um, very sort of innocent seeming uh, kid in the New York City area. Uh, his dad owns uh, a um, cab uh, company, kind of a co-share. And this kid uh, takes the cab out uh, to this party and um, can't figure out how to turn the um, the cab, li- whatever you call the cab light off, where people keep getting in the car. And this girl gets in the car and uh, the... Uh, they end up going back to her apartment and she, you know, kind of gives him some drugs and this and that. And, uh, he passes out. Next thing you know, he wakes up and she's been brutally murdered and, uh, but he knows he didn't do it. Uh, but it becomes this whole big ongoing, uh, drama. And, uh, so that's what I've been hooked on. I have one more episode to go. It is, uh, it, that is a great recommendation, Jeff. This is a series, uh, one-shot deal, as you said, from 2016. Really, really good. I don't know why they didn't continue it. It sets up, uh, it, it gives you the feeling at the end that there could be more, but apparently uh, not. But uh, John Torturo is unbelievable. Riz Ahmed uh, is the star that you're talking about. And uh, that is a, I haven't thought about that show in a while. Uh, that is a great uh, recommendation. Uh, and with that, I think we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna call it a wrap. Any final thoughts for for Dallas uh, sports fans, uh, uh, Jeff? You're gonna be the last. We're taking a little bit of a hiatus, uh, okay, for the, for the rest of July. So you have the last word. Well, the Cowboys are gonna win the Super Bowl this year, right? Um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, there you so go. Hang in there. Uh, it's an interesting time of year in the sports world, and um, but seriously, right now. Uh, 
I'm just excited to see what happens with NBA free agency because this is always a crazy time of year. Uh, sad if, if it's true that Jalen Brunson really is out with the Mavericks, but um, hang in there. There's still hope for the Mavericks. And yeah, watch free for all when you can. Uh, 1040s, uh, 10.40 p.m. on Fox 4 pretty much every night of the week but Saturday. Yes, set your, uh, you know, set your VCR to record it. How about that? Uh, or maybe your DVR. I'm kidding. On behalf of Monica Paul, Jeff, thanks for, for joining us here on the mic drop. I love the, the conversation. Also, thanks to Breon Dennis Jr. of the Frisco Rough Riders. What a story he told. Thanks to our mic drop production team, Daniel Whitelaw-Piscura, uh, Reeves Eddins, Marcus Cara, Tony Fay PR. Thanks to Ren over at Vocal. Of course, our showrunner, Tony Fay. Until next time, Thanks for listening, everybody.